Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Age of Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. Today, we have more Bridgewater Triangle stuff, because it's a weird place, and there's a lot going on there. And I have for you today some random weirdness in the news. Why don't we start it out with Joanna giving us some Bridgewater Triangle stuff. All right, well, I'm going to talk about the Fall River Satanic Cult murders, mostly, and I'll, I'll talk about a few other things. And real quick, Fall River, Massachusetts happens to be the place where uh, Lizzie Borden gave her mother, took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she oh, no shit. saw what she had so done, nice. she gave her father 41. Yeah. Yes. And I'm actually going to talk more about Lizzie Burton in the next episode because I'm going to be talking about haunted places. But for today, we're going to talk about Satanism, Satanic panic. Again, the Satan, Satanism is a scary thing, you know, mm -hmm. all, those, <laughs> all those damn Satanists out there. You know what they call someone who believes in Satan? What? A Christian. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. It's true. It is true. You're not wrong. Well, my sources for the things I'm going to discuss today, uh, Wikipedia, just needed some names and dates. It's good for that. Uh, www.rollingstone.com, www.monstersandcritics.com, the 2013 documentary Bridgewater Triangle, and the 2021 documentary Fall River. Now, the first murder that occurred was 17-year-old sex worker Doreen Levesque, and that happened on October 13, 1979. Her body was found under the bleachers of Diamond Vocational High School in Fall River, and she was found nude with her hands bound behind her back. Her head and face were smashed in with a rock. The second, Jesus Christ. yeah, the second murder to occur would be of 19-year-old Barbara Raposa. The murder was committed on November 7, 1979, but her body was not discovered until January 26, 1980. She was frozen solid. Her hands were bound. Her head and face were smashed in with a cinder block. And the third murder was 20-year-old Karen Marsden. And it's thought to have been committed on February 8th, 1980. Portions of her skull were discovered on April 13th, 1980, but the rest of her body has never been recovered to this day. Police were quick to put this as a satanic, ritualistic uh, set of killings. 
and as they can yes do, you know it's and a weird thing but hey two people uh carl drew who was a 26 year old pimp and robin murphy who is a 17 year old sex worker were eventually Match committed yeah they were eventually committed uh only of karen marsden's death now this whole thing is because the murders seem very connected and they are through uh some of the main players and but um a different person was convicted for the second murder that of barbara raposa which would be a guy named Andy Maltese. He was the one convicted of her murder. Now, Carl Drew was initially suspected and charged with Doreen Levesque's murder, but they chose not to take that to trial. And Carl Drew would eventually be convicted of Karen Marsden's murder along with Robin Murphy. So right off the bat, it's already just like a big hot mess and it's just messier and messier. Karen Marsden was also a sex worker and she was romantically involved with Robin Murphy. The two had a relationship with each other. Andy Maltese, who had been convicted of killing Barbara Raposa, also had a long history with Robin Murphy. Karen was a sex worker, as I said before. Doreen was also a sex worker. Now, Carl Drew was not Doreen's pimp. Allegedly, the reason Carl Drew had killed her was because uh, she didn't want uh, she didn't want to have a pimp, and he didn't like her working the corner that was like a couple of blocks from where he had his girls working. And <laughs> don't want any of that competition. Right. And Robin turned state's evidence against Carl Drew and said that she had participated in the murder of Karen Marsden, that Karen Marsden had told her was present at Doreen's murder and had told her that Carl Drew is the one that murdered Doreen. And now he was going to come after her next. And then she ends up she and Carl Drew end up all in a car together and Carl Drew ordered Robin to kill Karen in the name of Satan, which she did. And then they performed other such rituals and things like that. This is what she, she testified to. (laughs) And yeah. (laughs) And of course the cops ate it all up. I mean, this is all going to later come out as Robin is going to, recant her entire story but no one i mean the cops to this day still are convinced it was like a ritualistic killing and that you know carl drew is this uh satan worshiper um psycho pimp and that you know robin herself was at 17 was completely capable of committing this kind of murder and yeah the cops were very familiar with all the victims as well as Annie Maltese because the cops, uh, the, a lot of the prostituting that was going on in the, in the Fall River area in the late 70s, early 80s, it was occurring within one and a half blocks of the police station. Oh, that seems like 
either a bad place to do it because you might get caught or a good place to do it because that's where the clientele are. Right. And I think that happened like a lot. The cops hung, I mean, the cops hung out with the sex workers like a lot. They even brought them weed and alcohol and would hang out at their apartment. Alleged, this is like under the guise that they were getting information. What information that they needed so badly from them, I don't know what that was. But they they, were, the information they needed was how it felt to have sex with them. I yeah, that was the information that they needed. Yeah, They're like I don't know. I wonder how it is to have sex with these women. We should ply them with drugs and alcohol and figure that out. Yeah. The detectives that investigated the murder were Alan Sylvia, Thomas uh, Joquim, and Paul Carey. Probably Joaquim. It's Joquim. I heard him say Is it. Is it really? Yeah, I know. It sounds like it's Joaquim. It look, it's spelled like it's Joaquim, but it's, it's Joquim. <laughs> wow. Okay. Tom I like Joquim. That. I like that. Now, Paul Carey was the only one who kind of questioned whether Carl Drew was actually the person responsible for the murders. He actually maintained Carl's innocence quite a bit until he died in 2019. He would go and visit him regularly in jail. Really? Yes. Carl Drew was convicted for the murder of Karen Marsden and is still serving a life without parole sentence. Robin Murphy is still behind bars. She was paroled after, like, I don't know. She It was, like, 1982 when she was um, sent away, I believe, and she was paroled in 2004. She was out for seven years, and then she began a relationship with another convicted felon, and that violated her parole, and she was oh. sent back to to prison in 2011, and she's been there since. For hanging out with another felon. Yeah, for hanging out with another felon, because you're not wow. supposed to do that when you're on parole. Oh. Because they expect you to, like, fall back into your old ways and do felon stuff? I guess so. I guess that's the idea behind that. Huh. Okay, then. Yeah. Although, it's like, I mean, I guess once you're no longer on parole, then you're free to hang out with as many felons as you want, but... Well, what happens if, like, when you're on parole, you get a job, and it's a job where, like, a lot of felons get jobs at and so you're necessarily hang out with felons to have a job because this is a job that hires felons yeah i don't know are there jobs that hire felons well i don't know i was watching uh it's so pretty this... hard once you're uh once you've been a convicted felon actually like it it, it sucks and i don't know what the legal loophole is as yeah, far all as the, that goes the information i have is from watching television shows and so there's this show moms where one of the characters owns like a body shop and he employs many felons. So Yeah. I'm sure you can find a lot of felons and I mean really a felony is it's it depends on the felony. A lot of stupid fucking things are felony. Mm-hmm. It's kinda like, you know, if it was the middle of July when school is out of session at two AM on a Saturday and you are on school grounds and you're taking a leak because you have to pee and a cop finds you, that can make you a sex offender because mm -hmm. of where you are and the fact that your dick's out or whatever, your, your whatever's out. Yeah. So there's a lot of stupid fucking rules out there that get you serious bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fucking sucks. 
society and all. It can society and all its rules, but but then there's some that you, if you like, like really murder should someone, not be. Yeah. Like, yeah, like maybe you shouldn't be. Yeah, maybe you should not be be free roaming the streets. Although sometimes those that are supposed to uphold the law and to um, you know apply the law can can get pretty uh, corrupt and. Yes. Short-sighted themselves. And then what are you going to do? Maybe you didn't break the rules. Maybe you didn't kill anybody, but these guys think you do. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, a lot of it is that the, those that are, are enforcing the laws aren't required to actually know the laws. Yes. And then those that are required to know the law can sometimes um, sidestep the law or just be a total fucking idiot, which would be the case of Carl Drew's public defender. His name was Jerry Burkness, and he was so incompetent, even like the crooked ass cop that like led the investigation admitted that he should not have been assigned the case it was his really? one and only murder case he never tried a murder before and he never tried one after and he just did like a terrible terrible job of defending carl drew um when it should have been a lot easier to um you know get him acquitted because there's like zero forensic evidence uh, tying him to the murder. Right. And then it's just really Robin's testimony that put him away. Testimony that she would later recant to the state parole board. Ronald Pina was the district attorney trying the case. And for whatever reason in Massachusetts, apparently you can bring up prior bad acts. There's a legal loophole for prior bad acts that can be, they can be introduced into evidence if they can show motive or consistent course of conduct. They chose not to um, put him on trial for the murder of Doreen Levesque, but they used her murder as a motive for killing Karen Marsden. So even though he was Weird. never, yeah, so even though he was never tried and convicted of killing Doreen Levesque, the prosecutor's opening statement was basically that Carl Drew killed Doreen Levesque and Karen Marsden was present. And because uh, Karen Marsden knew about the murder of Doreen Levesque, Carl Drew killed her. And Karen Marsden had basically said to the police when she was still alive, she had said as much to the police. She was brought in by Andy Maltese, the guy who was convicted of murdering the second victim, Barbara Raposa. He brings them in during this interim after Doreen is dead, before uh, it, Barbara might have already been dead, but before she was found. He brings Robin and Karen into the police station and Karen tells them the story that she, that Carl Drew killed Doreen Levesque and that he was going to kill her next. And she said that Carl Drew was Satan and that he practiced uh, all these satanic rituals. And she was crying and the police, the police brought her in multiple times for questioning. And the last night, the last night she was seen alive, um, she was crying in the police car and said that she wanted to go to a church so that she could talk to a priest and they dropped her off in front of a church and then she was never seen again until like, you know, her 
skull was found, basically. Months later. Never seen again until she didn't have any skin. Yeah. And so, like, what's the deal with this, like, Andy guy all, like, you know, kind of inserting himself into the investigation and, well, you need to tell him about Carl Drew, all this kind of shit. Well, Andy was a fucking goddamn pedophile. Oh. Yeah. So, Robin Murphy and Andy Maltese went way back to when Robin was 11 years old and Andy would give them rides give her rides around town and also rape her starting at the age of 11. Oh, good. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Her best friend when she was a child, uh, her name was Catherine Hindle. She was also raped by Andy Maltese at the age of 12. He took her to the Freetown State Forest tied her hands behind a tree, raped her, and then threatened to kill her family if she ever told anyone. Now, she did actually go to the police to tell them about what Andy had done to her, but they would not take her statement because she was only 12. Wow. Yes. And when Robin... Yeah, and when Robin was giving all this, uh, you know, testimony about what was going on and everything, I mean, it's it's in the court document, her talking about how Annie Maltese raped her starting from when she was 11 years old. Uh, He had a prior conviction before he met Robin um, for raping or, you know, attempting to rape some, like, seventh grade girls. So he was, like, a known sex predator. However, it never seemed that Robin was really viewed as a victim in this whole thing. She was just uh, she was just a sex worker and she was also like a pimp in her own right. Apparently, she was just so tough. She wanted to, to, you know, pimp all the girls because she didn't want to prostitute anymore. Right. Well, I mean, it's hard work, I'm sure. And it really like pissed me off. Like uh, a lot of this is is exposed in this documentary I watched called Fall River, which I would highly recommend watching. It's on epics, so you do have to do like the free seven day trial if you want to get it for free. Uh, but you but you can get it for free and and watch. It's a four part documentary, and it's and it's pretty crazy because about everything else you're gonna find on these murders is just straight up like, yep, it was Satanists. Robin Murphy and Carl Drew had a satan. It was a satanic prostitution cult ring. Which you so, know those are yeah. those are known throughout history. There's always the right. satanic. I mean, whenever rings, I think everywhere. of prostitution, automatically I think satanic cults as well. Prostitution and Satanism just go hand in hand. Whenever I go to get a prostitute, she has to be a Satanist. Otherwise, it's just, I mean, it's just not for me. Right. You know? So, yeah, you're not going to really find anything that actually really examines the case in depth unless you watch this documentary. And it really, like, kind of pissed me off seeing these cops that were just like, oh, yeah, you know, because the, the people doing the documentary were acting, well, didn't you, didn't you do anything about Andy Maltese, like, knowing he was, like, a, like a pedophile and a sex offender? It's like, no, we were worried about homicides. Like, we really didn't care about that. And, oh, yeah, Robin, she was, she was just, she just, you know, she could eat a pizza and then kill you right after, which I don't even know what the fuck that was supposed to mean. But they were just so flippant about the fact that she was just this tough girl and could totally be capable of this when and and how they used to like hang out with the girls all the time. And, and it was, you know, came from the powers that be, to, you know, authorized them to hang out 
with these sex workers to get information. So they were like totally in the know. They knew all this to be true because they knew these girls. It's like, yeah, these girls were like 17 fucking years old and you knew that they were being trafficked and exploited. And yet you like basically didn't give a fuck. Yeah, you, you just fucked them, them and yeah. gave them drugs. You just fucked them and gave them drugs. Like, that's that's cool. Like, you're really the fucking good guys. Totally. So then to- so then you're convinced that they were also Satanists and that Robin Murphy and Carl Drew were, like, you know, killing in the name of Satan? Okay. Don't want to change your mind about any of this? Okay. Going to hold steadfast on your your belief that Carl Drew is guilty? Okay. Yeah. Now, when Robin later admits that she was lying, she says that she lied because, just like Karen had told the police, she had also told Robin that Carl Drew was the one who killed Doreen, and she was a witness to it, and that he was going to kill her next. And so, she believed... That Carl Drew, she believed in all her heart that Carl Drew was the one who had killed the the girl that she loved, and she wanted him put away from it. So she went ahead and testified about all, you know, that she participated in the murder of Karen so that Carl Drew would get convicted. You know, and they did all the, the stuff about, you know, oh, it was a satanic ritual, this, that, and whatever. Yeah, Other people... Testified there was Carl Drew's girlfriend at the time, Leah Johnson. She testified that Carl Drew had, the day after Karen's murder, Carl Drew had given her a ring which had belonged to Karen Marston. Now, going back on that, she said that the cops and the DA totally coerced her into saying that. Like, you know, threatened her with jail time on other things. I mean, she she had, she was also a sex worker. She also had issues with drug addiction. So they just, you know, they just had her in a spot where they could totally yeah. be like, hey, you're going to get what up. we want or yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then Carol Fletcher was alleged to have been driving the car that when they grabbed uh, Karen Marsden and took her out into the woods and performed the satanic ritual and murdered her, she was the one driving the car. She also later recanted her testimony. The police had even examined the car that Carol Fletcher had at the time. She was using a rental car, and they found no blood in the car at all. So, again, zero forensic evidence. Back to uh, the fucking child rapist Andy Maltese, the documentary... Which they're not concerned with because, you know, he's he's just raping kids. He's just raping kids. But then he ended up being convicted of Barbara Raposa's murder because he wouldn't stay out of that investigation either. Just like he was like, oh, I have information on Doreen Levesque. You know, here, here girls come in and tell them about bad Carl Drew the Satanist and how... You know, you're next, Karen. Uh, Andy was involved with Barbara Raposa. And they maybe allegedly had a kid together. He started, like, dating her when she was, like, 17 and he was, like, 44. Wow. And so she had a child and it was rumored that Andy Maltese was the father of the child. And she wanted to get the hell out of Fall, Fall River because... Uh, apparently there was just not a whole lot going on in the town except for 
A bunch of fucked up shit. Yeah, a bunch of fucked up shit. And she wanted to, like, start a new life. And Andy didn't like that. Now, oddly enough, Robin also testified um, at the trial for the murder of Barbara Raposa. And also admittedly lied. Now, she lied about being there at Barbara Raposa's death, too, because she was convinced that Andy had killed Barbara Raposa. And she wanted him locked up in jail. And probably the fact that he was like, you know, raped her starting from age 11, raped her friends. Yeah, that might have had something to do with that, too. Like, she just thought he needed to be put away. And she was right. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't wrong. But she admits that she lied and said that she was in the car when Andy killed Barbara Raposa. But she was pretty convinced that Andy had killed Barbara Raposa because he told her, and he also told this to the police of his own free will, that he had seen Barbara's murder in a vision. Now, he told this to the police after Barbara Raposa was found, but Robin, he told this before she was ever even found. He told her that uh, Barbara had been bludgeoned to death, that Angel had car- angels had carried him over the scene of the the murder scene and he had seen what happened to her and that she'd been bludgeoned to death and then what do you know a little while later she's found bludgeoned to death wow that's not at all suspicious right in any way shape or form no not at all the documentary posits that all three murders are so similar that probably uh, Andy Maltese is the one who was responsible for all three. So really, it was Andy Maltese who killed Doreen Levesque, and that Karen Marsden probably actually did witness that murder. But instead of saying it was Andy, like he convinces her to go with Robin and to set up, kind of start setting Carl Drew up for it by saying, I saw Carl Drew. He's my pimp. I'm totally afraid of him. He's Satan himself, and now he's going to kill me next. Uh, Andy had kind of threatened Karen's grandmother, even because he was starting to. They were start. Police were starting to look hard at him after Barbara Raposa's death, and saying that you know it would be very bad for Karen if he were to get arrested. <laughs> and. Weirdly enough, after he gets arrested for Barbara Raposa's murder. He gets let out on bail the night of February 8th, the last time that Karen Marsden is seen alive. So likely he went out and nabbed her and killed her so that she wouldn't end up telling the truth about what happened with Doreen and he wouldn't get nailed for that. Right. And Robin lied about Carl Drew, about her involvement in the killing and Carl drew being there because I guess maybe Karen had been too afraid to tell her that it was like Andy who had killed Doreen. And so she just truly thought that Carl was the one that did it. And yeah, it was just, it's, it's a very, um, (laughs) <laughs> it's a very complicated series There's of murders. There's a lot of shit going on there. There is so much shit going on, but what is not altogether complicated is the fact that all three murders were very similar. Even though Karen Marsden, like, only, like, part of her skull was found, it was smashed in. Like, so all three murders um, happened, were very similar in M.O., and what's also pretty obvious is just how the whole story of how it was Carl Drew really falls apart. 
first of all, for Doreen's murder, Carl Drew was at his stepmother's wedding, and there's like pictures of him there at huh. the night that Doreen was killed. So is he bilocating there or what? I don't know. And then the night that Karen Marsden was supposed to have been murdered, he was at a lot of different bars and initially had a lot of um, eyewitnesses placing him in these bars. But his incompetent defense attorney uh, never followed up with the investigator until like a year later about like checking his alibi. And by that time, the investigator had died. So then they had to send another person out to ask all these people again. Oh, well, hey, well, now do you remember like a year ago? Was he there between this time and this time? Which, of course, by then it was like. You know, forget it. Like you're not gonna. Yeah, no shit. You're not people gonna remember aren't gonna, anything that right. long ago. Especially when you're talking about people that are, you know, just like at the bars all the time. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it's hard yeah. to remember shit when you're drinking all the time. But it's very likely he was nowhere near where Karen Marsden was killed. The story that was that Robin told is just so I mean, the satanic part isn't even like the most bizarre part about it. It's the fact that all these things were supposed to have happened. Uh you know, that Carol Fletcher drives them out to the Freetown State Forest and that they kill her without and and they, you know, slice her throat they decapitate her body they cut her up and they burn her and then when they get back in the car they don't leave any blood evidence in the car whatsoever but the fact is is that uh, karen marston had a son who was in foster care robin and karen went to go see that son at the foster parents' house at like 8 30 and then robin is reported back to her own home at 10 30 so this was and it was like a 30-minute drive to the Freetown State Forest where she was allegedly killed. So d- they got driven there and back and murdered her and burned her body and cut her up into pieces and burned her body in like two hours, and which would have been like a minimum of four hours. Like the timeline completely did not add up. And then all the people that, you know, like Carol Fletcher, who testified that this was all true, Leah Johnson, who testified about the ring, everyone recants it. And then the cops are just like, nah. Cops and the DA are just like, no, I don't know. That's not what happened. It magically happened in those two hours. Everything everyone said is true. Yeah. Carl Drew has tried to get a new new um, trial and he was denied. And apparently the judge was out having lunch with um, district attorney or former district attorney Pina. Um, you know, just to make sure like everything's like on the up and up. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Like, you're not going to give this guy another shot. This all makes total sense, right? Like, the fact that there's two different killers for three really similar murders. And, uh, you know, this guy was in places, in two places at once. And they did it in this timeline that completely doesn't make sense. And who fucking cares that uh, Robin, Carol Fletcher, Leah Johnson, all these people are now recanting their testimony and saying, like, no, we totally fucking lied. Uh, Yeah, no. Carl Drew definitely still needs to be behind bars. Yes, definitely. For life. Definitely, Jesus. Yeah, now Andy Maltese uh, died um, many years ago. He had a few strokes, like, after uh, he started his life sentence for Barbara Raposa's murder. But 
Um, I mean, so he's not alive to defend himself, but uh, he's a fucking piece of shit anyway, so I don't give a fuck saying that. I'm, I'm pretty sold on the fact that he probably committed all three of these murders. Yeah. Um, kind of sounds like it. Another thing that was weird is that when his car was searched, when he was being arrested for uh, Barbara Raposa's mor- murder, they found a fishing wire that was identical to like what Barbara Raposa and Doreen Levesque had been bound with, along with the whole like box full of like sex toys, gags, handcuffs, like his, his road kit, I guess. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I mean, the guy was just scum. I mean, Carl yeah, Drew seriously. was not exactly a stand-up guy himself. He was a fucking, you know, pimp. Also who, scum. Who, yeah. <laughs> but he was not a murderer, and he should not be, in my opinion, he should not be in jail for murder. Yeah, you should go to jail for what you deserve to go to jail for, not for yes. the shit you didn't do. Yes, exactly. And even some of the shit you go to jail for it maybe aren't isn't necessarily a... You know, jailable offense. Or yeah. shouldn't be jailable. In that particular case, it is, but, I mean... I mean, I feel like some of those cops should not have been cops, either. I mean, with yeah. the way they were oh, carrying yeah. on. One of them is, like, a state representative now for Massachusetts. Oh, great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, there So he was just out there fucking underage <laughs> sex workers and... I mean, well, we don't know booze. that for sure. Uh, yeah. Well... He was just hanging out and bringing them weed and... and and alcohol and yeah. stuff. I'm sure he's a stand-up fucking fella. <laughs> but I I mean and the one and the one cop um detective uh Carey who who was just like uh no, I don't think that this adds up guys and and he even tried to get uh Alan Sylvia to talk to the DA when Carl Drew was like going to be put on trial. Like, can't you do something about this? Like, this is not the right guy. And like Andy Sylvia is just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're, you know, you're off your rocker, dude. No, we're we're doing So I mean, I'm liking the one cop that was just like the whole time, you know, until he died in 2019 was trying to like prove, prove the guy's innocence because he's like, no, no, no. But the other ones were just like, no, no, I know these girls. I know Carl Drew, Andy Maltese, yeah, he was a pedophile, but, you know, oh, hey, let's just, I don't know. They just it's went fine, with the whole satanic fine. narrative and just rolled with it, and, like, that's that's what happened, and that's how it's going to be. Um, yeah, definitely Satan. Definitely Satan. <laughs> definitely. Pedophile? Definitely. We're not concerned with the pedophile. We're more concerned with Satan. Yeah, we're more concerned with Satan and murders uh, committed yes. in the name of Satan. To quote Robin herself... She said that she was not in the Freetown State Forest leading cult activities. She She was being molested in the Freetown State Forest by Andy Maltese. That's what happened in the Freetown State Forest. She wasn't like a a satanic cult leader leading rituals out there. Like she was getting fucking molested from the time she was fucking 11 out there by this fucking piece of shit. What's more more likely? Something that happens all the fucking time or something that has almost never happened that is not not a big thing? Oh, we're going to definitely going to go with the thing that's very rare. (laughs) Yes. Now... Freetown State Forest, there's been some other weird things that have happened there. 
Now, two years prior, uh, so there's the town of Raynham. There was a girl, 15 years old, Mary Lou Aruda. She was found in the Freetown's forest, tied to a tree, and decapitated. Not a common thing to find in the forest. Yeah, 21-year-old James Cater would be tried and convicted for her murder. And although uh, he denied it until his death 38 years later in jail, um, there was, I, I read over the case, and there, there was pretty significant evidence that it was him that did it. Because for a second I was like, oh, now this is weird, you know, because her tr hands were tied behind a tree. It was very, right. like, Andy Maltese's style of, like, you know, killing young girls and uh, raping young girls. And also this guy, James Cater, had been convicted uh, 10 years prior for abducting a 13-year-old girl and doing the same thing to her in a forest, except he didn't, like, kill her. Oh. So he served his time in prison, got out, and then killed Mary Lou Aruda. So just some real fucking pieces of shit out there, I guess, who like yeah, to do well. stuff in the Freetown State Forest. Yeah, well, it's a deep forest, I guess. <laughs> Fuck. And there are some cops that are convinced that satanic activity still goes on out there. Yeah, that's what they should be concerned with, is the fucking satanic activity. Former Detective Alan Alves manages to somehow get himself in both documentaries he's in. He's in the wow. Bridgewater Triangle documentary, and he's yeah. in the Fall River documentary. Damn. Now, even though he, he was on the peripheral of the investigation into the, like, the satanic cult killings, but he himself has investigated many... Um, satanic uh you know animal ritualistic animal killings that have occurred in the freetown state forest and he's very very convinced that satanism is something satanism and like child molestation in the name of satan is something that still happens to this day but our government the the people there's powerful people in the government who still cover it up yes Mm -hmm. I'm, I am, that sounds very plausible. <laughs> I mean, that sounds very plausible. How there was an underground bunker discovered out in the Freetown State Forest, and it had some headless dolls in there and some baby clothes and a little, um, like, seat for, like, a two-year-old uh, <laughs> carved out of, like, a tree stump in there. And then there was a makeshift hut found in the forest, and it's referred to as Carl Drew's hut, even though there's no evidence that Carl Drew ever went to this hut, like, ever. Um, and in his words, uh, quote, it, the, the hut had all the trappings of satanic cult activity in it. I don't know exactly what that was, except, you know, oh, maybe there was, like, some pentagrams drawn or whatever in there. Um, he, he did go so far as to admit that there was actually no actual evidence of any actual crimes that they could actually like you know tie to any you know crime or person or anything like that so really it's you're just finding like some dolls some headless dolls and some baby clothes and a little and another little hut out there somewhere with who knows what adds up to uh you know the trappings of <laughs> satanic cult activity but <laughs> yeah well hey i mean but whatever i mean there there have been dead animals dead pigeons found really don't give a fuck about that because pigeons are disgusting and i think that they should be killed from time to time <laughs> they die all the time I mean, there's a lot of them you know come on 
There were a few weird occurrences, and, and it's like, I don't know who was doing this, um, but yeah, there were several graves robbed in the late 1980s, and a, um, like a mausoleum, like a crypt was broken into in um, the, the Freetown Cemetery, and huh. uh, a woman's, you know, a corpse... A corpse's head was taken by three juveniles who who later like threw it out the car window because it was it smelled too bad. Well, and I allegedly mean, they were going to drink from the skull to give them power, but there's conflicting reports on that because another one of them picked up said were like, no, it was just a prank. We're not trying to, you know, get into a satanic cult by digging up a body and stealing the skull. Who knows? Right. Who knows? I mean, I mean, even if it's just a prank, that's a little that's going a little far for a prank, if you ask me. A little to little. Just a little. Just a little. Uh, there is a Fax and Animal, animal Rescue Leave Pet Cemetery in the Freetown State Forest, which they actually had to close off because people would come in and they kept like digging up animals from the pet cemetery. And then in 1999, uh, in the state forest, 12 calves were found to have been killed many with their blood drained. So that is kind of weird. Yeah. I'll admit to that. Yeah. That's a little, that's a little culty in my opinion, but. That is, that's, that is a little culty. That is. But that's the last incident of uh, ritualistic animal sacrifice in the forest. And then it seems like there there hasn't been a whole lot, you know, since the 80s, there hasn't been a whole lot of, like, grave robbing going on. So we're not sure what the motivation was at. You know, probably Satan, but... <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's, generally speaking, that's, that's, that's kind of what it is. It's just, you know, Satan doing... Doing Satan things, you know, you know yeah. as, as Satan does. As Satan does, but I think I pretty much think that the that the that the Fall River satanic cult killings really had very little, if anything, to do with Satan and more to do with one uh seriously uh, horrible piece of shit and some, you know. Some sad, um, fucked up lives that were a result of like him and a you know exploitation by a lot of fucking people and yeah, just just mostly a sad story. Yeah, that is. It's not definitely not ideal. No, you don't really want any of that that kind of stuff going on. So yeah. Much. So <laughs> the, is there is there evil out in the Freetown State Forest? I would say a little bit. Yeah. There's been some fucked up shit that's happened out there. But is it evil of a supernatural sense or of a human sense? I would you know, I definitely say human, but I mean there may be a supernatural reason behind it. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll discuss Probably it Satan. further. We'll Probably <laughs> say. Is it the Dark Lord? I'm not 100%. Voldemort? Noseless <laughs> bastard. So, more to come. More to come next week. Or next episode, I should say. All right. Well, we'll go on to uh, what I've got going on here for us. All right. This is an article from unexplainedmysteries.com from uh, February 24th, 2022. Mystery six-foot creature spotted on a rural road in England. 
A witness who had been driving home in the early hours of Sunday morning encountered something very unusual. The incident, which occurred at around 2 a.m. on Sunday morning on the A425 near Staverton in Northamptonshire, has since been described online by a witness who goes by the name Galloping High Road. We had been away for a night and traveled back quite late, they wrote. Towards the end of our journey, this was about 2 a.m., we were driving along an A road in the rural area when something crossed the road in front of us in full headlights for about three seconds. It was about a height of a person, maybe six feet or over, but had short, powerful legs and hips, which seemed to move in a circular, fluid fashion. It was not a deer because it stood on two legs. We drove back today as it was only seven miles from home to look at the road layout and whatever. It was moved into a wide, bowl-shaped field dropping down to a stream. The story went on to generate quite a bit of debate online and was picked up by several news sites. As things stand, however, the identity of the creature that the witnesses saw that night remains a total mystery. Mm. It was probably just a giant fucking owl, you know? <laughs> Those things can be fucking scary. And big. Yes. Big. And deadly. They, they will fuck your shit up if they have to. They will. They will, like, grab you by the fucking head and just go at it. Yeah, they will go at it. My next article is from the same site unexplainedmysteries.com. This is on February 18th, 2022. Mystery surrounds case of man who was hit by ghost gunshot. Oh. The man had been walking outside when he was hit by a bullet that seemed to come out of nowhere. The peculiar incident, which happened last Thursday in the town of Frauenfeld in Switzerland, involved a 38-year-old man who had been outside with his two children and another adult when he suddenly felt an intense, sharp pain in his lower body. When he went to the emergency room at the local hospital, he was told by doctors that he had been in fact shot, and that the bullet was still lodged inside him. Fortunately, his injuries were not severe, and the doctors were able to remove the bullet and treat the wound. However, nobody could exactly explain where the bullet had come from. At the time of the shooting, neither he nor anyone he was with had heard any sort of gunshot, and there had been no sign of anyone with a gun in the vicinity. Hmm. The bullet itself hasn't revealed much in the way of clues either, other than the fact that the gun was likely a very low-caliber weapon, otherwise it would have done much more damage. A police investigation has since been launched in an attempt to get to the bottom of the mystery. Maybe a kid playing with an air gun? Said weapons expert Martin Ehard. If a smaller caliber weapon if a small caliber weapon was actually involved, someone must have handled the firearm with gross negligence. I don't think it would be a kid playing with an air gun because those mm -hmm. are like plastic pellets. Well, this was in Switzerland. Like, I'm not sure there are gun rules in Switzerland. And like... I'm sure that they are uh, more restrictive than America. I'm sure they are, too, because in America they're like, hey... You can buy it from these guys and it's fine. But, you know, if you buy it from the state, we have to take your license and, I, and everything. And, you know, if you're white, then you can just buy one and shoot people wherever you want. It's fine. Well, I think the weirdest part, though, for me is, like, not hearing anything because, yes. I mean, you don't hear. Guns are a, loud. Guns are loud. Even if you have silencers, it's not like the movies. No. It, they, they're, they're still fucking loud. They just don't, like, make your hearing, like, they just don't, like actually deafen you because of their loudness 
Yeah, fucking weird. It's shit. not like in the movies where it's just like pew pew. It's it's way louder than that. He's just walking around. Do 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 do. Suddenly, suddenly he feels that sharp pain. Hurts. What the fuck? And he, he goes to the I, hospital. I it's like, oh, uh, you've been shot, and... sir. Yeah. That's that's fucking crazy. You don't hear anything. I mean, God, it's lucky really he didn't strange. hit something really major or hit one of his kids or something like yeah i mean i'd be kind of freaked out and just you know just go out on a walk with the kids and like suddenly you're shot without even knowing it i mean just crazy shit that is really weird and to close off our episode we're going to talk about an alien sighting so this was originally published into the sun but it was also published in new york post so, there we are. Uh, this right. is from February 22nd, 2022. Oh, 22222? Oh, yeah. Tuesday. Alien hunters were left stunned after a bulging triangle UFO was filmed lurking over a major city for two hours. The unusual object was spotted prowling the skies of Islamabad, Pakistan, in broad daylight by an extraterrestrial enthusiast. Gobsmacked, Arslan Wariak says he spent a lengthy two hours watching the triangular shape hovering above this capital city. The 33-year-old was mesmerized by the unusual object drifting over the city's wealthy DHA-1 district, and the clip has now sent Skywatchers' tongues wagging. He recorded the UFO making the most of the clear airspace for over 12 minutes from different angles to acquire the best view. The businessmen, formerly of Birmingham, have then shared the unbelievable sighting on the internet for other alien fanatics to enjoy. Arslan explained, I still don't know what it was. I filmed it for over 12 minutes at different times, took dozens of pictures, and observed it for the best part of, of two hours. To the naked eye, it seemed like a black, round rock, but as I zoomed in, I could see it was roughly the shape of a triangle with a clear bulge on the top towards the back. You said bulge. Haha, <laughs> bulge. <laughs> it was solid black. A solid black bulge. Oh, wow. It was solid black with no sharp edges. It wasn't reflecting too much light, and no <laughs> lights were emanating You don't want your it. bulge to have sharp edges. Like, that's never pleasant. Or, I mean, everyone's into something, you know? I mean, some <laughs> I people, guess, maybe they I want guess. a sharp bulge. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know everybody. I, I prefer for, you know, no More sharp fluid edges. angles? Yeah, more fluid angles in, yeah, in the yeah. bulge. Yes, well, you're very vanilla. I don't know what to tell <laughs> you. In the extraordinary footage, the mystifying object is seen hanging motionless over the hustle and bustle of the capital city below. A fly and several birds then also crossed into the shot, showing the clear difference between the creatures and the distant UFO. So it provided uh, uh, perspective. It called? Perspective, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it provided perspective, so you could see a fly and the size of the fly when it was, you know where it was from the thing and then you could also see the birds so it just showed really perspective i mean you just shooting something or taking pictures of things in the air it's really hard or just a thing anywhere with no anything around it to to see what it is supposed to look like is i mean it, it's very deceptive you know yeah so there's per perspective and comparison 
Yes. All right. Arslan added, I don't know what it was, but I know what it wasn't. It wasn't a bird. I actually got birds in the clip while I was filming this thing. A fly drones myself, so I know it wasn't a commercial drone either. It wasn't a bird. It wasn't a plane. Maybe it was Superman. And it makes no sense for our military to be flying secret drones over a posh area of Islamabad where most of the army and government officers live. Yeah, that doesn't seem like that would... Nah. 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 After sharing the enthralling clip online, he sparked a frenzy among fellow UFO hunters who applauded the clarity of the sighting. One admirer wrote, The recording is extremely high quality. Not just for the technical achievement of such extended physical effort to track it for so long, but also for the extended verbal commentary and description of the event. Do you realize how rare a document like this is? Another viewer added, This is how you capture a UFO! Well, a third conspiracy theorist suggested the interestingly shaped object was a perfect match for a sighting they'd had in New York. They mm. wrote, It was just like this. Not blinking lights, no nothing. Just floating in the sky for about four minutes, then went up until it was completely gone. Arslan stayed to appreciate the curious shapes swirling in the skies were too dark to see it. He brushed off skeptics' comments, insisting regardless of what he saw, humans are not alone in the universe. The 33-year-old continued, With the number of stars and planets known in the universe, it is statistically impossible that we are the only intelligent beings in this universe. There must be civilizations which are millions or billions of years more advanced than us, and then there must be others that are just starting out. Have they visited Earth? I think we have to look at the evidence and go where it leads. There is certainly a possibility. It comes after alien hunters claimed NASA accidentally captured a flying saucer zooming above the Earth in an unearthed image from the Apollo 9 mission. They suggested the picture showing the tiny black triangle lurking among the clouds was mistakenly shared by the space agency. Whoopsies. Whoops. So there you go. More aliens. I mean, we're maybe, not... Maybe the aliens made a whoops, too, because it's, it's odd that broad daylight, like, you just don't get a whole lot of those... Yeah. Um, sightings. True. And they're not, I mean, I can imagine, like, the aliens, like, going down, checking it out. Maybe they can, like, magnify what's going on down there, like, a bunch, and, like, look at all those people who gathered, and then, like, you turned the cloaking device on, right? <laughs> right. And then the other or one's did just, I? like, Damn it. <laughs> fuck, like, that would totally be me. I would totally forget to turn the cloaking device on, like, 100%. Yeah, I mean... That's why I just can't be trusted to um, be like co-pilot in a UFO. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the cloaking device. That's why they have like auto on the headlights these days is because, you know, sometimes you can't be trusted to get it right yourself. No. Well, sometimes things can be really deceptive, like gas stations. Like that is the time where I always, because I don't have auto headlights because my car is so old. Yeah, neither <laughs> do I. Sarah does. But, but when I'm leaving a gas station is kind of like when I fucking forget to, to turn them on because it's so brightly lit that pulling out of there, I'm not needing my headlights to be on. It's not until like I get down and then I'm on the road and somebody will blink, blink their flash their lights at me. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. Sorry. About I that. just don't ever turn my headlights off. Hmm. 
I'm always afraid I might drain the ba- battery by accident. I feel like well, I've had my, my car, car like 11 years, but I feel like I've had to replace the battery like four or five times. Well, when I turn my car off, my headlights turn off. Yeah, but they, but after a while. Oh, no, mine just turn off. No, mine don't. Mine stay on. Uh, they will eventually turn off, but they do stay on for a bit after that. So I try not to put excess strain on the battery by letting them sit on for several minutes after each engine shut off. Well, there you go. Yeah, so. I just have to be mindful of gas stations, I guess. <laughs> God damn it, you're going to be more mindful of gas stations. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is all we have for you this time. So thank you guys very much for listening. If you would like to find us on social medias, just search for our name. If we're not there, we're we're not there. We're only in a couple places. We're bad at social media. We're very sorry. I mean, not that very sorry, not but a that little very, very sorry, sorry. Because social media is like a very unhealthy place a lot of times. And yeah. yeah. I believe as the kids are saying today, it's it's cringe. <laughs> If you'd like to subscribe to our Patreon, which is not, as the kids are saying today, cringe, you can, for $1, get a crisp high five if you ever see us in real life. For $2, you can get ad-free regular episodes. And for $5, you can get, in addition to your ad-free regular episodes, a bonus true crime episode. You can also check out the podcast syndicate we are a part of, ageofradio.org, where you can find tons of other podcasts along with ours, ageofradio.org slash strangerthan, where you can stream our episodes if you want to stream them there instead of your, you know, podcatcher, for whatever reason. I don't know. You've got your reasons. I'm not here to judge. You can also send us your stories. Send them to strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. It's a great place to send them. We would love to relate your stories to the general public. That listens to us anyway. Stories about aliens or ghosts. What else, Joanna? Are you a member of the satanic cult? Do you know of any satanic cult activity in your town? Do you want to talk to us about it? Uh, Give us your stories. We'd love to read them on, on the air. If you don't want to have your name read, that's fine. If you do, that's also fine. We'd just love to hear stories. And with that, I think we'll talk to you next time. And stay strange.